I think one of the reasons that the movie doesn't work very well is that it's hard anymore to accept the Catholic Church will save you. And I don't know for sure, but there has to be a, a parody porn, doesn't there? <laughs> I mean, they parody every other name. They've, I'm sure they've got their own Harry Hole mysteries, but that's another show. I like vampires that kill people. Right. I dislike vampires who don't kill people unless you're bringing me a delicious chocolate cereal. Well, we don't know if it's the most wonderful time of the year, but for us, it may be the most fun time of year. And that is the time for Skeletons in the Closet. We're back with the 2022 edition. Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And let's talk about, well, before we get into skeletons in the closet, talk about what that is for the uninitiated and uh, move on to uh, this year's rundown. Uh, let's talk about last time when we were live at Gateway Film Center. We were talking about zombies, a certain kind of zombie that I think some people were, were impressed that we found as many movies as we did to talk about. Yes, because we showed the excellent Norwegian film Dead Snow. Are you sure it's not German? <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about Nazi zombies. And right. you know, it is it is a funny thing because it, you know, you could do so many we have done so many different podcasts on different types of zombies because there are so many zombie movies, but you and we could also do a podcast on Nazis without the zombies because right. they're uh, they're a fixture in oh, horror yeah. as well. Yeah. But there's a ton of Nazi zombie movies. And it was a lot of fun to see Dead Snow on the big screen. Yes. I think we probably had more people in, in this past audience that had seen the movie, maybe more than ever. Right. Usually when we say, how many people have seen this? We get a smattering right. of, of hands up, and we love it when there's next to none. There were quite a few this time, but right. that's all right. That just shows you they were jumping at the chance to see it on the big screen. Yes, and that was really, especially because we had just had that bad winter storm. Right. You know, and it just felt fun. It was fun to watch. <laughs> and as we've said before, blood really pops on the snow. It really it? does. And that's <laughs> that's a fun one. As, as most fun as you can have with not only zombies, but Nazi zombies. That one is fun. It is. It is a funny movie and a carnage galore. Yeah, so uh, I think a lot of people enjoyed it. Most people did, I think. And, uh, yeah, uh, Richard and uh, Nathan Andrews specifically pointed out they were surprised that we uh, could come up with eight Nazi zombie movies to talk about. Yeah. But, uh, they, they, they underestimated you, and that's always a mistake. You know, the other thing, just a, a shout-out to Pink Paradox. We haven't heard from her in a minute, and she's uh, she appreciated the, the Norwegian call-out. And she gave it her thumbs up, right? Her she did. stamp of approval. She did. Yeah, that's our Norwegian correspondent, Pink, <laughs> Pink Paradox. So thank you for checking in. All right, that was last time, uh, and we're going to be back uh, at Gateway for uh, next month's Fright Club Live. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But yeah, we mentioned this is the time of year that we dig into skeletons in the closet. I think this... This idea popped up years ago. Might have even been before Fright Club. I think yeah. we were writing for a, a non-existent website now uh, that, that's now non-existent when this came up. But why don't you explain what, what Skeletons in the Closet is? Well, almost every really big actor at one point made a bad horror film. And so it's always fun as soon as Oscar nominations come out, the first thing I think of as we're sitting there, uh, you know, Oh, remember when little Leo DiCaprio was fighting Critters in Critters 3? 
So many. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. I mean. They, Brad Pitt oh, goes so on many. and on. Oh, Clooney. cutting class. Clooney. Yeah. There's a ton. Clooney could have his own podcast of bad <laughs> horror. So uh, that, that, that's always just a funny, a fun thing that, yep. that jumps to mind when they're, they're calling out their names. And so we turned it into a podcast. Well, I think the very first year of this podcast. Yeah. We've done it every year since. Yeah. And we love Oscar time anyway. So it's just another, because we have our, our other podcast of The Screening Room where we dig into every week we, we uh, spotlight the new movies coming out. So, mm-hmm. of course, we talked about the overall uh, nominations and our thoughts. But this time we're just going to zero in on some categories that have actors that started off in some bad horror movies. So we'll talk about those, their chances of winning. Uh, in those categories and also, of course, those bad horror movies. Uh, so it's fun. It's just a lot of fun to dig into this because the, it just shows you that things get better. They you know? do. <laughs> they really do. And sometimes they go backwards because Elsie Fisher, a few years ago, faith people thought she might get nominated for an absolutely outstanding performance in the equally outstanding film, Eighth Grade. Fantastic. Yeah. And she... Her new movie, we were going to spend a minute to talk about because, boy, that's a polarizing film right there. Yeah, it seems it seems a pretty appropriate time to talk about the new uh, The Texas Chainsaw. No, no, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes. is the actual title of this one. Uh, released right to uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's really been polarizing. And, of course, horror is our genre here, so we might as well talk about it. Uh, overall, I, I saw it first, and then I didn't – it was one of those where I – Held off. Oh, I want to talk about it, and then uh, and then you saw it a couple of days later, and that's great. Overall, I thought we thought it was fine. There's a lot of hate out there for it. Then I also see a lot of people saying, "I, I don't get all the hate," and we're we certainly didn't hate it. We had some issues with it, uh, but overall, in the in the list of Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels, I think it ranks pretty high. It it's at least middle of the pack, and um and I think we talked about a couple things. One. Uh thing it had going against it is like scream the scream reboot was so right. much fun you know the the first time of the jamie lee curtis halloween which is also called of course halloween was so much fun so that set a pretty high bar for this but the truth is texas chainsaw massacre it's a hard movie to make sequels to and all of the sequels all of the sequels have been disappointing every single one has been disappointing to one degree or another especially number two <clears throat> and that happens a lot i think when you really love the original and the yeah. original texas chainsaw massacre is my it's my second favorite movie of all time. Right, exactly. Which is another reason I thought we should talk about it. But uh, yeah, I thought it it looked good, which is sort of weird because you remember the first one, part of the appeal was how gritty right. and mean it looked. Right. This one does not. This one looks good, but some of the shots are really nice. Yeah, the cinematography is absolutely And the framing. A couple of oh, the, the shots, the yeah. way they're framed, very, very nice, I yeah. thought. It is very, very bloody and gory. So if that's your thing... Jackpot, which is, again, sort of funny because the original, if you think about it, even though even if it terrified you, there's very little blood, if any. Well, I think, I mean, one of one of the problems that the films have had is just that, I think, is that people remember the original. And when it came out, it was it was, you know, as being one of the most terrifying, horrific, grisly movies that they had ever seen. And, you know, of course. There is almost no blood in right. it, almost none. And so I think even in the Toby Hooper's sequel, which you hate, um, people, all filmmakers seem to just abandon that in favor of a lot of blood, a lot of gore, a lot of entrails, a lot of, you know, we never see him take a face off right? Um, in the original movie. 
It's just that's just what he's wearing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that there's, there's really something to be said for the amount of dread that Toby Hooper created in the first one without showing you really much of anything. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. and, and that's harder to do than just showing entrails and blood and carnage. It's mm-hmm. much harder to do. Yeah, and legend has it the original was more restrained because Toby Hooper was trying to avoid an R rating. Uh, so sometimes the uh, the great results are accidental, I guess. But looking at this one, the new one, one of the first problems that stood out was the setup, uh, how they got into it with this town. It was and dumb as hell. It was really dumb. Uh, so didn't buy that. Uh, also, there's a, I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't seen it yet, There's a, there's a subtext about gun violence that really intrigued me is what what were they trying to say here? Now, I just read an interview with Fetty Alvarez, mm-hmm. who is credited with the story here. If you can seek that out, I think I, I saw it on a, on a uh, website called Collider, I believe, gave a lot of helpful insight as to what they were thinking. I'm still not sure how well it came across, yeah. um, but that was another problem. Love Elsie Fisher. Boy, she looked different, didn't yeah, she? she did. From eighth grade. She's growing up. Yep. She's growing up, and the different hair color uh, really made it look different. But love her. Um, but, yeah, overall, I thought it was fine. Um, n- not great. It wasn't abysmal. Fine. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> I love the, the the woman who played Sally Hardesty. I yes. love that actress. I love her in everything. From uh, The Survivalist. From the Boy, Survivalist. if you haven't seen The Survivalist, look it up. She's always great. Yeah. And I liked her in this role. I thought Sally Hardesty and this actress deserved better. Agreed. So, and we'll just leave it there. I don't yep. want to. I don't want to dredge anything up or, or ruin it for anybody. Right. Uh, for me, you know, it, it's fine. It's middle of the pack. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it. I, I don't think anybody, including Hooper, has done justice to the original with um, a sequel because it's it's almost like they missed the point. It's not. He's not Jason, right? He's not Michael Myers. He's one of a whole family mm-hmm. of degenerate, crazy cannibalistic murderers and, and so it's just hard to create. right and and this one just so you know this one ignores all the other sequels it yes picks, it, it picks right up years later just it just uh, acts like none of them ever happened mm-hmm. uh and if you haven't seen it yet stick around to the very very end of the credits but actually even before the end stinger there are some nice callbacks to the original including right out of the gate the narrator again is john larroquette very nice uh but yeah the first one is it a- is it's quick it's yeah a quick it movie. is quick it is quick, and it's it's lean and it's mean. And actually, one of the social media threads I saw it on, I saw somebody included it on their list of, uh, the the original included it on their list of out of uh, movies that should never be remade or messed with. And in that list was West Side Story. And you know what? We still say the new West Side Story is better. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. Uh, just a, a quick note to that. I don't have a lot of fondness for the original, but you, I do. You love musicals. Yeah. You like West Side Story, and and we the both new, agree yeah. that the new one is better. The new one is better, but uh, yeah. So if you haven't, by all means, if you're a horror fan, you got to see the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre for sure, and see what you think about it. But basically, middle, middle of, of the, the pack, pack of of the sequels, maybe a little higher for me because I hate number two so much. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's our thoughts on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, Skeletons in the Closet, 2022. Brand new group of Oscar nominees with brand new histories in bad horror movies, so let's get at it. Let's start at number five with a film from 2011. A young doctor suspects she may not be alone in her new Brooklyn loft. She learns that her landlord has formed a frightening obsession with her. In a supporting role, it is this year's nominee, Ingenue Ellis, in The Resident. The record feature is triggered by movement, so any activity in the apartment will be recorded. These babies will catch anything that moves. If 
followed you one night. You followed me home. Now, Ingenue Ellis is uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress this year for King Richard. She is fantastic in that movie. She really is. Uh, even her limited screen time, yeah. because she really does it. It's, it's Will Smith's show, let's be honest. But boy, she is fantastic in it. She's up against uh, Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose, speaking of West Side Story, uh, Judy Dench in Belfast, and Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog. Uh, what do we think of Ingenue Ellis's chances in this category? I think that this is probably Kirsten Dunst's year. Uh, partly because she actually she has so much more screen time than anybody else on mm-hmm. this list. I mean, yeah. you you could have made a, a case that she's lead actress. I think there's a lot of love for Dubose as well yeah. for West Side Story. Yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah, but after that, I'd probably put uh, Ellis maybe third. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, I think Judy Dench. Judy Dench and Jesse not. Buckley, I thought were were surprises. Although, yeah. especially they're both Ju- great. They were both great. Yeah, they really were. But I think they were people were a little surprised by those two nominations. So I, I and I don't think anybody was surprised that Ellis got nominated. No, and she was great. She's, I mean, she has, you know, she's been banging around. Great supporting work mainly for mm-hmm. years and years and years. Mm-hmm. We loved her in Lovecraft Country um, two years ago. Yeah. That, uh, one of the very rare TV shows that we watched, and we watched every episode. But it's it's another case, and they bring this up a lot in sports, about how one player can make another player so much better. I think her, her performance, the girls too, the girls that play Venus and Serena are oh, also yes. very good. But Ellis's performance specifically helps Will Smith so much yeah. that she almost should get like a half a nomination for his. Yeah, you know, the and I'm sure it's going to be this the scene that they show during the award ceremony, but the one in the in kitchen, the kitchen? Yeah. yeah, where yeah. they're already famous and they've already got this all money, and she's just letting him mm-hmm. have it, and about how he didn't do this on his own. Right. It's just a masterclass in acting. Not only, there. not only was that scene needed in that film, oh, very much so, but she just kills it. She kills it. She kills it. So, uh, well, let's talk about this. The resident. She doesn't have a very big part in it. So, Hillary Swank is the lead in this movie. And she's a doctor. She's an ER doctor. So whenever she's at work and one time outside of work, we see Ellis's character, Sydney, who's another one of the doctors in the ER, who's real supportive of of the lead character. Her name is Juliet and wants her to move on from her cheating boyfriend. So she's so Mm -hmm. Juliet has left her cheating boyfriend and she moved into this much too good for her to be living there loft apartment. I know it's nice. (laughs) There's a reason. There's a reason for it. (laughs) There's a reason for it. And it, uh, it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan who plays Max and also Christopher Lee sighting. Yes, this was uh, Christopher Lee's first Hammer film. This is a Hammer film. It is a Hammer film. It was his first Hammer film since uh, to the devil, a daughter in 76 some 35 years earlier. Also, his final Hammer Hammer film, so he, because he died in uh, 2015. So it was a first in a long time and his final one. I think it's easy to miss that this is a Hammer film. Yes. Well, I, you know, I actually think a lot of the, you know, modern Hammer films, yes. it's gone that, under the radar. Point, yeah. I think the best one we've seen, well, The Lodge was a Hammer film, and yeah. so was Let Me In. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I Bad. mean, they've actually done some great work, but they're, it's just, yeah. they're not Hammer, you know? Yeah. They're not the the costume drama uh, ribaldry that they used to be. But they're, exactly. But they're making great movies. This is not one of them. And if you've seen a movie, uh, it actually came out the same year, a Spanish movie, Mientras Diermas. Uh, apparently, the plot is almost identical oh. to that Spanish movie. So, um, I haven't heard of that one. Have you? 
No, but the truth is this is a pretty common yeah. it's a guy in the walls plot. This, yeah. It's a pretty common plot, this is. And um, and they don't do anything too updated or make you give a shit. It's just not very good. You, I mean, I spend the whole time wondering what in the hell two-time Oscar winner Hillary Swank is doing this movie. Because keep in mind, it's 2011. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's I, I don't know why she would have taken this film. This is a long time ago. And Morgan is not certainly a two-time Oscar winner. However... He's he's too good for this movie, and he does, and he he in particular just doesn't sell it. He doesn't do a particularly good job yeah. in this. But the writing is hackneyed. There's nothing about the movie that is interesting or yeah, new or fresh. The old voyeurism theme, you know, somebody's watching you, and and uh, but, and a lot of stupid choices are made. Mm-hmm. And yep. But Anjanou Ellis is in it, and that's the point because she's Oscar nominated this year, right. and she's better than this film as yes, well. She is. Uh, even though she's not in it very much, she qualifies as a skeleton in the closet. The resident. From 2011. That's number five. So let's move it up to number four. This is also from 2011. This is also bad. American seminary student Michael Kovac travels to Italy to take an exorcism course. It's this year's Oscar nominee, Kieran Hines in The Right. I haven't prayed in years. Last night I found myself praying for you. It knows you. It knows all your sins. Do not speak to it. It's the devil. I'm coming for you. Your name! Give me your name! God help me! You cannot defeat it. Garen has some to choose from. Let me tell you that he's been in a lot of horror. He's been in a lot of movies. I mean, yeah, this is, he's he been has. in hundreds of long movies. and mostly distinguished yes. career. This yes. one not so much distinguished, but really the star here is Anthony Hopkins. It, yeah, he is. And and Garen uh, Hines, he's up against Troy Coster from Coda, Jesse Plemons from The Power of the Dog, mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons from Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee from The Power of the Dog. Now I don't. It's a tough race because this is yeah. the two Power of the Dogs. You feel like they're going to split the vote. They, yeah, they could cancel each other out. I think J.K. Simmons, as as great as he is, it I was a surprise here. Yeah, it was a surprise uh, here. Troy Kotzer from Coda. That is such a crowd pleasing movie. I think there's a lot of a lot of a good feeling for him. Yeah, and he was great in it. He I mean, was he's, great. You know, he really was a standout in that movie. I'm leaning toward him. If only one of the two Power of the Dog nominations yes. had made it, I yeah. would say Jesse Plemons for sure or Cody Sp- yeah. McPhee for sure. However, and I love both of them, and I love that movie, and I love their performances. Yeah, and they both deserve a nomination. They but they yeah, do. they could, But I think they're going to split the they vote. They could cancel each other out. But I don't think Kieran Hines is. I don't either. No. I don't either. But uh, The Right is a bad exorcism movie. It is based on a book which centers around a real-life priest, Father Gary Thomas. Uh, he was tasked by his bishop to become a diocesan exorcist and was sent to Rome to learn how to do it. So there's plenty of, you talk about well-worn tropes, the exorcism movie, this this is one. And I remember when we watched it, it just, dev- it just devolved into silliness. Yeah, it's one of those movies where every other movie, I think, really, that Anthony Hopkins is in is just him... Chewing up scenery, you know, and uh, and so this or you I know, know he does enough of those Dracula or the Wolfman. I mean, he does so he many. Does and then and then something like the Father comes along, and you're like, oh my god, right? Yeah, reminds absolutely. you of how great he is. And and you know, Karen Hines just plays one of the. He, I think he's a cardinal. 
uh, uh, and he's he's teaching exorcism. What the, one of the things that kills me about this movie is that the lead, played by Colin O'Donohue, the priest, he doesn't believe in God, right? He just went to the seminary to get a free education, and he's just going to not take his vows. I don't know. I've never thought about going to the seminary. I'm not sure that works. <laughs> and so, so basically, Toby Jones says, you have to go and learn to be an exorcist or... We're going to charge you anyway when you renounce your vows. We're just going to not pay your bill, and then you're going to owe us for all of your college courses. So yeah. anyway, it's interesting because I thought, is that is that really a thing? But it's a yeah, way— Yeah, it's not like the GI Bill. No. Really. <laughs> it, but it, it's a way to set up, you know, he doesn't have any faith, and he needs to develop some faith. And so that's, that's the arc of his character. I think one of the reasons that the movie doesn't work very well is that it's hard anymore to accept— the Catholic Church will save you, right? Not a lot of people see that as uh, is the way horror should go. It's quite the opposite. But that's not what makes this a bad movie. It's a bad movie because it's not very well written. The direction is completely bland, and uh, none of the performances, including Karen Hines, are very good. Right. And yeah. Anthony Hopkins is just that, <laughs> just ham eating Anthony Hopkins. And it's not a movie in another way that would pass your uh, Catholicism test because. Michael, the seminarian, at one point is performing an exorcism, and that would not be possible um, because you have to be an ordained priest with the explicit permission and authority of the bishop. So You know what? That's a little bit nitpicky in that I'm not that familiar with how the Catholic Church decides who can and cannot <laughs> perform an exorcism. I've got to admit. Neither was not, I. I looked it up. They did not teach us that at St. Mary's. <laughs> It's so many of those. That's the thing that there are there are so many of those exorcism uh, horror movies that it is so easy to just become silly that when yeah. you do see a great one, it's even more so uh, appreciated. Uh, of course, the classics like The Exorcist, you can go back and revisit and, and remember what made that one so great. But even when you see a newer one, uh, it's the exception anymore. It, it really oh, is. It definitely is. Yeah. But uh, Kieran Hines has a supporting role in that one. He was not Oscar-nominated, but this year for Belfast, which is a great movie, by the way, even though I wouldn't, I would have put some other performances before his into this category, uh, Belfast is well worth seeing. But, you and, know, he also, he was in The Woman in Black. Oh, no. He's, it's he's, great. Yes, he was great. Yeah. Uh, he was in The Eclipse, which is um, uh, definitely slept on. It's more spooky and atmospheric than it is outright horror, but it's a good one, and it's sad, and he does a great job. He has been he was in a couple of Tales from the Crypt TV episodes, as I recall. Oh, yeah. And, of course, he's in one of the all-time worst, Mary Riley. <laughs> so, number four, The Right from 2011. So, let's get even more uh, recent for our number three, and boy, is this a bad movie. I don't know what, I don't care what category you're counting down, this movie sucks. Detective Harry Hole. Yes, Harry Hole investigates the disappearance of a woman whose scarf is found wrapped around an ominous-looking snowman. This is J.K. Simmons as a supporting role in The Snowman. He's been watching us the whole time. Building snowmen, cutting things up into little pieces. He's taunting us. If we don't find him, this is never going to stop. Another missing woman. There's something we're not seeing. What matters most is that we celebrate the way this has brought us together. Anyone can see that he's trying to hide something. You can't force the pieces to fit. You could have saved them. No. Gave you all the clues. 
J.K. Simmons, as we just said, he's nominated also in the Best Supporting Actor uh, category for Being the Ricardos. He is very, very good. He's always very, very good. Mm -hmm. Again, we thought this particular role was a bit of a surprise. We probably would have had a couple of other uh, performances, most specifically uh, Mike Feist from West Side Story, probably in there. But J.K. Simmons is a great actor, Oscar winner, Mm -hmm. uh, well-deserved for a whiplash, but... Uh, he's in for Being the Ricardos, and who is he up against? You have it there. Troy Kotzer, oh, we Jesse just talked Plemons, about it. Yeah. Kieran Hines, Cody Smith-McPhee. Yeah. We still think Troy Kotzer is probably the front probably runner. Probably don't think uh, J.K., although people love him overall. Yes. I, I, just, I just don't. Ohio State fan. Yeah, right, because he used to live here. I don't think he was born here, but he used to live here anyway. But, uh, yeah, so don't think he's going to win. But this movie, he's he's one of the bright spots in a movie that is just, it's ridiculous. And for good reason. I mean, it was based on a a best-selling book. Didn't read the book, but I'm sure it's better. Uh, the more we got into looking at this movie, it was even disowned by the director, Thomas Alfredson, just about a, a, a week or so before it came out, saying it didn't work as a film. There are so many problems. One of the biggest was, and I, I mean, we didn't know this before we saw the movie, but it so much makes total sense if you've seen it, because one of the biggest challenge for the editors was just using the footage that they had and stitching it together to create a barely coherent story because some 15% of the script was never even filmed. That and does that make makes sense. total sense because the movie is nonsensical. Yeah, which is really tough because it's a thriller mystery. mystery. You are piecing together a mystery and you're like, who is this character? What's going on with these prescription drugs? I'm sorry, they're sex trafficking? It is absolute nonsense. Yeah, and it's think, absolute nonsense. It just feels like it was taken, the, the editing was done with a meat cleaver. Yes. But then when you find out, well, no, it wasn't their fault. They didn't have any footage to edit. Well, okay, that makes sense. It's a ridiculous to even try to follow this plot. And it features not only J.K. Simmons, who's an Oscar winner, two Oscar nominees, Michael Fassbender, he's in the lead as Harry Hole. Yeah. And Chloe Sevigny yes. is, is in this as well. Yeah, so you've got a, a great a cast. thankless role, Chloe Sevigny. And Sevigny's. also Rebecca James Ferguson. Darcy. Right. And Val Kilmer and Charlotte yeah. Gainsbourg, to- Toby Jones again. I mean, it's a lot of great actors with very little worthwhile to do. And another demerit, Johnny Greenwood created a score for this movie that was never even used. Oh, my God. And Johnny Greenwood now has become one of the, not only with his work with um, Radiohead, but he's one of the most accomplished composers. I mean, he was Oscar-nominated this year. I think he could have been Oscar-nominated three times yes. this year. Yes, definitely twice. He's fantastic. But they uh, he did a score that was not even used. So this movie is just ridiculous. Uh, but J.K. Simmons sporting a, a British accent. All right, we'll take that. And even so, even if you followed along, even if you read the book and knew what was happening, I mean, the the uh, finale of this is so limp. I know that's what we're going for. Oh, I know. Um, it's bad. This is really a terrible, terrible movie. That and you... I don't know. I don't know if the book is any better. But it's this movie is it's, it's a very misogynist yeah. in its uh, in its depiction of women and in its yeah. dispatch of women. And almost impossible to follow, given that a lot of the script wasn't even filmed. Uh, that's amazing that they even cobbled together a film to put out. However, if you never saw the movie, you can appreciate what they do with a snowman. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, you know, the rest of it, that's, that's just... Uh, it probably makes it worse that they couldn't live up to that cool snowman. Yeah, and apparently there's a whole series of hairy hole mysteries. Yeah, which which is one of the reasons why, obviously, they were stuck with that name. And I don't know for sure, but there has to be a a parody porn, doesn't there? (laughs) 
I mean, they parody every other name. They've, I'm sure they've got their own Harry Hole mysteries, but that's another show. Uh, number three, <laughs> The Snowman, a terrible movie with a great with a whole great cast, including this year's Oscar nominee J.K. Simmons on our Skeletons in the Closet 2022. Uh, so let's move it up to number two, and this is a film from 2000. Uh, Alex Corvus returns to the world of the living to solve the murder of a young woman that he was wrongfully accused of. This is another nominee from The Power of the Dog, this time in Best Supporting Actress category. It's Kirsten Dunst in The Crow Salvation. The Crow legacy continues when a young man is wrongfully accused of murder. Alexander Frederick Corvus. Do you have any last words? I loved Lauren. I'm innocent. Now, with the guidance of the crow, he sets out to find the killer. Where did you come from? I'll make sure everyone knows that you're innocent, that you loved her. Obviously, there's another direction we could have gone with Kirsten Dunst because we are not fans of the film Interview with Interview the Vampire. Interview with the Vampire. And she was so good in she that. She was awful good. Little tiny vampire. Yeah, God, was, she was she great. Was really, but that's really better good. than this. Oh, it's so much better than this. This um, this is the third, I think it's the third. Third, third Crow, Crow movie. Crow movie. Mm-hmm. It never got theatrically released. Uh, One, actually, let me correct you. Ooh. One theater in Spokane, Washington. Got it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that prompted fans of the series to accuse Miramax of intentionally tanking it. But after that, and the poor test screenings, straight to video, except for that one theater in Spokane, Washington. Okay. <laughs> it's just dumb. It is. I mean, it's just dumb as hell. It's just dumb. In fact, I had to rely more on memory than usual. And now I saw it when it came out. I saw it again some years after. So it hasn't been 20 years since I've seen this movie. But it's, it's essentially unavailable right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you own a copy, and we don't. It is something that you're not going to be able to watch. I don't know that you want to. She's not bad in it. She's kind of hamstrung because the ter- the character is so, so, so badly written. It's so badly written. There's also a lot of other really good people in this cast, including Walton Goggins, Fred Ward. There's a villain named Madden, so you think I'd be on board with that. But um, Alex Corvus, the crow, yeah. he's just such an uninteresting sort of frat boy sort of, you know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. He's and, the crow. Yeah, and and the effects are bad. They're, They're so really bad. Weak. Interestingly enough, Rob Zombie, you know, we're big fans of filmmaker Rob. He was set to write, direct, and supervise the music for the film. Left because of creative differences, but he's got a song still. Yeah, they in still the, use Living yeah, Dead they, Girl, they, which they, is yeah. the only good thing about the movie. <laughs> yeah, so would it have been better with Zombie? Um, Couldn't have been worse. Tough call. Couldn't have been Couldn't worse. Couldn't have been worse. <laughs> also, you'll hear the Wilhelm scream, which I always appreciate, uh, <laughs> during the final battle when someone is thrown into the pit by werewolves. You know, that's a good time for the Wilhelm scream, really. If you're thrown into a pit by werewolves, yeah, use it. And I just heard the Wilhelm scream in a TV commercial the other day, I nice. swear, and I didn't catch... <laughs> What it was for. I'll have to uh, keep my ears peeled for that. And also, this is the sixth film to receive a nomination in every eligible category at the Golden Raspberry Awards. What? I don't I don't know how relevant the Razzies are anymore. No. We were just talking about that. Actually, Because you know, they nominated Ben Affleck this year, and he was very good. You but, know, it's funny, though, because I would not have expected this film to get that kind of attention, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they don't usually dig deep to f- movies that nobody saw because they didn't get distributed. It's... Well, um, and and I, I'm not sure anybody expected it really to do that well. I'm not sure that the second crow did very well. The first crow, honestly, wasn't that 
popular on its release. It was more of a VHS. Yeah. Uh, although it's great. I mean, it's a, but it's a cult classic. But anyway, it is, this movie yeah. just sucks. It just sucks. It's not fun. It's not scary. It's just so bland. There's nothing about it that stands out. And I was sad that she was in it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she was too. I don't know, depending on her payday. But we skipped her other nominees. And, of course, we already talked about this category because it's Ingenue Ellis, it's Judy Dench, Ariana DeBose, and Jesse Buckley. Um, so, yeah, she's bringing that. The Power of the Dog has so much momentum as far as acting, although we think it's possible they may, you know, cancel each other out, as we said, in the Best Supporting Actor um, category. But, yeah, she might she might take it because yeah. I think there's a lot of goodwill for her. She's been around, like we just said, since yeah, she, so was she was a little a kid. kid. Uh, going through ups and downs and bad movies like the one we're talking about here. So uh, I think maybe my, would our money be on her to win? Right that? now, yeah, I'm yeah. leaning toward her. Yeah, probably so. But uh, definitely a skeleton in the closet for Kirsten Dunst in 2000, The Crow, Salvation, on our 2022 list. And that takes us up to number one. You bet it's a bad movie, but this actress is nominated this year for a tremendous performance. But this movie is from 2012. Okay, so 10 years ago, after the birth of Renezme, ding, 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 you know what it is now. The Cullens gather other vampire clans in order to protect a child from a false allegation that puts the family in front of the Volturi. This is Kristen Stewart, nominated this year for Spencer, but in 2012, it was Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. What is it, Alice? The Volturi, they're coming for us. If enough people knew the truth, maybe we could convince the Volturi to listen. My family's in danger, I need your help. We'll join you. We will stand with you. A lot of red eyes around here. I'll never let anybody hurt you. So Kristen Stewart could have her own whole Skeletons in the Closet top five list. For these movies. Four of them being these. Yeah, and I know... They have their cult of fans, and that's great. Uh, the people that love the books, they're bad movies. But she is, and this is just another indication, not only for Kristen Stewart, but Robert Pattinson, both of those stars. I give them both so much credit. They took that incredible fame, and then really Robert Pattinson first. Yeah. He started diverting right into small indie movies with great characters, and he delivered great performances and now he's back Mm -hmm. with a blockbuster with uh, the batman which we're going to see here in a couple of days but uh kristen stewart took a little longer and to to really get noticed although she started racking up her own list of really good smaller performances that nobody saw so that still you'd hear her name and people would laugh and we would have to point out you know have you seen her lately uh and so she's nominated for spencer and she's great in it she didn't get a lot of early awards season love, and that started both of us thinking, wow, are they going to just pass her over? But I was glad to see she got a nomination here. Oh, yeah, I know you were. And and she really was great. She's up. It's a tough category. She's up against Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, and Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos. Now, yeah. Coleman and Kidman both have Oscars already. So does Cruz, actually. Jessica Chastain does not. She has been nominated yeah. more than once. She doesn't have any. And the thing is, I don't think any of these, it's hard to see any of these as a shoe-in. They're it, really, they're very few locks this year. It is, year. because look at them. Not only uh, Kristen Stewart uh, playing, of course, uh, Princess Di, but then Tammy Faye and Nicole Kidman is playing Lucille Ball. A lot of times playing a real person 
does well at the yeah. Oscars. Yeah. But you've got three yeah. in this category alone. Yeah, you really do. I feel like Stewart has as good a shot as anybody. She does. This is really tough. I mean, Olivia Coleman, who pretty much is every time she makes a movie, she gets nominated because she she's that to. good. Yeah, she really and she's just in, in, in incredibly good in The Lost Daughter. I don't think she was going to win because she won so recently. But she, I mean, if she did, it'd be well-deserved. She's yeah. fantastic in yeah. that movie. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. This is a really hard one to handicap. I think maybe if you pushed me right now, I'd probably say Chastain. Yes, me too. Even though that came out really early, I think, in the year, which sometimes can hurt. But it, some, sometimes you twist yourself in knots trying to think of trends yeah. about how these people win these awards. But that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But the point is, Kristen Stewart is, uh, the, the nomination is well-deserved. If you haven't seen Spencer, she is fantastic in it. But Twilight, the entire series is bad. I go back to the very, very, the core thing that makes these stories bad is because it's all based on a premise that her character is so, so special. And her character in every film, I didn't read the books, is so boring that it just feels like it's built on a lie. It's built on the idea that you should not have sex until you're married and it absolutely encourages the opposite because the whole movie is just about just like sexual hysteria. Yeah, like and, very splendor in the grass. <laughs> yes, and very. I mean, it's it's alarming the degree to which they amp up the sexual tension and metaphor. And, then, and it's badly done. Yeah. And vampires sparkle and they have vegetarian vampires. You're not a vegetarian. You're just not eating people. You're still... It's just dumb. Everything, you know, and, and, and I know that I was, I am the opposite of the audience that this material is intended for because I like vampires that kill people. Right. I dislike vampires who don't kill people unless you're bringing me a delicious chocolate cereal. <laughs> I hate these movies and it was tough for me to decide which one to go with. Well, and then you reminded me right away with the one with the creepy baby. I'm like, oh, that's right. Because not only. Not only how creepy that baby looked before they had an actual, you know, young uh, actress start playing the role because the the character grows so quickly in this movie, but the fact that they pretty much give her away to shirtless werewolf boy at the moment she's practically born because oh they imprinted what oh I know that's the thing Ugh. that's the thing I think one of the reasons aside from the fact that I like vampires who kill people that I hate this series and I hate it is because every underlying theme is so profoundly sexist and it's pretending it's not to be because the search material where it was written by a woman and it was written for her daughters. She has got some problems. <laughs> Ladies, empower yourselves. Don't just let your parents hand you off to the shirtless werewolf so that you can marry him later because he's imprinted on you and surely he'll take good care of you. Take care of your damn self. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate these books. I hate. Th and I read the first one. And it's funny. My you friend, did. my friend lent it to me because I asked because it, they were so popular. And she said no, because she knew I would make fun of her. <laughs> so I had to just and go buy a right. paperback. Oh, she was right. I remember. I, I remember when you were reading it and you were not too far into mm. it. You're like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. 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 So obviously it's not our bag. Um, I haven't read any of the books, but I've seen, I think I've seen all the movies, and they're bad, and this one gets the nod because of the baby. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, Breaking Dawn Part 2, the Twilight series. That is number one on our skeletons in the closet, but boy, all these performers, well worth their nominations this year. Good luck to all of them, because they're fantastic work, fantastic work, all the nominees this year.
But earlier in their careers, they had some bad horror movies. And we love that because that fills up our list and skeletons <laughs> in the closet. And that's why it's our most fun time of the year. So we talked about uh, Fright Club Live. We're going to be back in front of the crowd at Gateway. And I think we do. We've had trouble knowing in advance what we're going to show, but we know. Oh, we absolutely do. It is going to be the folk horror film November. Nice. Black and white. Absolutely gorgeous. Dieter Laser. Um, it has a quick sort of drive-by in the documentary that we loved so much about folk horror. Yeah, the uh, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which is great. And you've probably heard us mention several times how much we love folk folk horror. And if you are like-minded, look up that documentary because you will love it. That's a case where three hours goes by like that. You would not have known it was a three-hour documentary. Plus, then you feel like you've taken a class. It's glorious. It's a glorious movie. And it inspired us to look into some of the folk horror that they don't really capitalize on because they talk, they spend a lot of time uh, on in the, but there are hundreds and hundreds oh, of yeah. really great folk horror yeah. movies. So we yeah. are going to talk about folk horror. We're going to show this absolutely beautiful black and white, gorgeous, hypnotic film called November, and it's going to be in March, <laughs> Wednesday, March 9th. So if you're in the area, we would love to see you at Gateway Film Center. As always, you can uh, always catch up on the latest details about that or anything. Uh, follow us on our socials. Fright Club Pod is the Twitter account. And also, I didn't even mention Fright Club Pod. I'm getting bad at that. You are. Fright Club Podcast Group on Facebook. It's where we get into a lot of these conversations uh, uh, saw about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and more. And there's funny stuff in there, too. Yep. So we'd love to have you. If you'd like to join, just send in a uh, request and we'll approve it. Toot sweet. Toot sweet. That's a good one. So th- that's the uh, Fright Club account. Also, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written movie reviews, our other podcast as well, our weekly podcast called Screening Room that we mentioned earlier. That's all right there for you at madwolf.com. So what do you think this year's group, this year's crop of skeletons in the closet? What do we miss? Or maybe what do you think uh, doesn't deserve to be on there? Let us know. You can always uh, keep that conversation going on Twitter. That's the easiest, at Fright Club Pod. So we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, also, if you can make it, look forward to seeing you next month for Fright Club Live. And until then, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends.